0: Hi, I'm Aya, I'm Griselle. and this is The Pasean Podcast.
1: Hi, it's Griselle, and I just wanted to hop in quickly to give you context on what is LGBT History Month and why we're celebrating it. According to Equality Forum's website, LGBT History Month celebrates the achievements of 31 lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender icons. Basically, each day in October, a new LGBT icon is featured with a video, biography, or bibliography. 31 days, 31 icons. In 1994, Rodney Wilson, a Missouri high school teacher, believed that a month should be dedicated to celebrating and teaching LGBT history. So they gathered teachers and community leaders to do just that. Why October then? It's because public schools are in session and it coincides with existing traditions such as the coming-out day celebrated every October 11. Besides that, this celebration is stemmed from a teacher's love for education and humanity, and for public schools as a way to raise awareness about the LGBTQ community. The next portion of this episode contains mentions of violence, child abuse, rape, and homophobia that some people may find disturbing. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it.
0: I'm so honored to introduce our guest star for this episode, Um, someone I know from a friend of a friend. Everyone say hi to Karen! Hi Karen!
2: hi everyone i am karen santana my pronouns are she they he i identify as queer and i prefer to be unlabeled and i also identify as non-binary thank you for having me oh my god i'm so excited it's
0: so oh my god it's so lovely to have you here honestly honestly i've been itching to just go on call with you or record a podcast episode with you like we've never actually called outside of this like if you think about it we have no connections besides chriselle yeah,
2: literally. Like, our friendship was so sudden. <laughs> you know, it was like, hey. And you were like, hey. So, like, yeah, besties now, I guess.
0: <laughs> I think our friendship started because of the election. And then we followed yeah. each other on Twitter. And then here we are now. Here we are now. Look, so true. <laughs>
2: we vetted. Thank you, Elections, for bringing us together.
0: Grizzelle, you want to say something?
2: I think we were. We didn't talk before for Uh oh. <laughs> that sounded so mean but that's true like because i was in grade eight or nine i think it was grade nine you know we were still much younger so (laughs) i guess yeah that's the first time that we got close with each other
1: tapos ano yung first conversation namin ni karen issue agad ng match oh oh
2: oh my gosh Like that's always the conversation starters you know Welcome to batch 13, I guess.
0: <laughs> Honestly, like, I've been meaning to get on a call with Karen. Like, technically, we don't really have that much connections besides Griselle. Um <laughs> But we have bonded over the election, um, SSG election, by the way, for batch rep. And, uh, okay, speaking of batch rep, I yeah. genuinely would not have minded if I lost to Karen. Like, 10 out of 10, like, I would have voted for Karen. I did vote for Karen, period. Like, I don't... <laughs> Anyways Oh please <laughs> The moment I saw
2: you I was like yeah there we
0: go." Let's speak about SSG another day. I was going to say Chriselle is literally our only connection. Um but once I messaged you after the election I think I was like I think I messaged you or something, right? And then you congratulated me too. We like bonded over being queer together. Yeah, that's that's
2: that's the bond, you know, that's where we got this going on
0: so true and now we're here
2: i mean literally we were like oh hey you're queer i'm queer let's be friends now we're besties and now we're here like the magic
0: (laughs) of being in the same community freaking amazing it's hard to find other people who are out out i mean i'm not even like out out to everyone um i don't know like it's just nice feeling represented or feeling like you have someone on your side if that makes sense or someone you can relate your experiences to yeah, so it's just, it's nice to have that bond with each other. Yeah,
2: and it, there's also, you know, there's, you know, this, I don't know how to say it. Like, I don't know the proper words, but there's, like, this edge to where you you gotta find someone that you really connect to, even within the community, because there are a lot of differences, you know? And, like, once you share those values or, like, that knowledge or whatever, it just clicks, And yeah, it just becomes much easier, much more comfortable to talk about things.
0: Yeah, I completely get that. I feel like the experiences of uh, different identities and label, like, yeah, they're so different.
2: Going to, like, the non-binary thing now, you know, since, like, it's not a new term, but it's, I guess it's a bit more new to the people. And um, I know that not everyone gets it here, you know, even within the LGBT community, not everyone yet has fully grasped that idea and to have someone within your community, within your school and your peers literally um, like relating to you with that identity is really special. You know? I never actually thought that I'd have someone who is also non-binary um, in, in their school.
0: Okay, I said I wouldn't um, talk about SSG again, but I guess that's one of the reasons why I wanted to run as Batrap. Because, I mean, I've never felt represented in our student council, which is obviously not their fault. But, I don't know. Um, I guess that was one of the reasons why I decided to run. And why I literally would vote for you. Like, literally, if I didn't run, 10 out of 10, you are my candidate.
2: <laughs> I think the thing that like got me the most attention from you is... The, dr- the art thing, the drawing. It was so cute. And I was like, yes,
0: work, you know? Cute. Honestly, I didn't think that many people even paid attention to it because I didn't even get that much attention on Facebook or, like, Twitter. But I'm glad that it stuck.
2: <laughs> and also, literally, everything that you wrote there, I was like, damn, I relate to this person. I relate so hard.
0: Honestly, I was struggling to find a balance between coming off as of someone who's professional and relatable i mean i think you can be both but it's yeah. very hard to find the middle because obviously i want to be like seen mm-hmm. as someone who is capable of being in a professional setting and being part of literally student council but i also didn't want to be like closed off for my peers
2: untouchable or anything like that yeah you know? so i
0: wanted to add that aspect of relatability um
2: yeah you know it's the, like the perfect mix you know work is work but if you want to have fun and you're gonna
0: have fun i really overthought um that aspect especially since i was an independent candidate like i literally had one person on my team i guess i don't know if i've explained the anatomy of my friend group but basically Chriselle was in common one of my friends oh. is in another school my other friend was just busy so <laughs> so i was literally there like oh no what do i do i had one of my classmates um helped me with the graphic design, and that was pretty much it. I think I ran a pretty good campaign. If I learned anything, it would be to plan stuff out, like actually plan it out, because I was so stressed. One time I even had like a little mini breakdown, so I would not recommend that. <laughs> Anyways, let's stop talking about SSG. Let's go back to um, school culture in general. I think like our school, um, Plastic Science is pretty liberal. I mean, they're pretty open towards liberal ideals, right? I guess no
2: one literally goes out of their way to make our lives miserable, if that
0: makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah, like, I feel like the culture in plastic science, since we're also I don't know, since we like to see ourselves as mm-hmm. smart people, it's a standard here that you have to know what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you're not allowed to be blatantly ignorant. And students will literally call yeah, out yeah. teachers who say ignorant stuff. I think that's pretty good, you know? I, that's what I really love about plastic science is we don't tolerate ignorance because we are all for education and that is great
2: and i also love how even you know with let's say debates or whatever about those opinions on social issues we know the balance between being respectful but also standing our ground and really proving our point in making other people understand why they're wrong or like why you know, such things exist or such things happen without being disrespectful. And I think that's also a factor on why, like, our environment is already becoming so progressive and a lot of people are more willing to learn about things because, you know, we, we make it fun, we make it open to everyone.
0: Um, especially the balance between respect and standing your ground. It really helps having teachers that are really open-minded, Like especially in UCSP. Our teacher, even though he has his own opinions, right? He always presents the facts first and then um, separates his opinion because he really like does recognize the importance of separating his bias from his teaching. Speaking of that, have you guys heard that uh, DepEd is encouraging teachers to remain apolitical? What is your opinion on that?
2: Oh my gosh! Remaining, first of all, rem- remaining apolitical is being an enabler of mm. the oppressive system. Period.
0: I agree with that a hundred percent. Like, I understand the sentiment. Like, I feel like they wanted uh, teachers to be able to be unbiased, right? But there's a difference between being um, between being unbiased and being apolitical. I think because I don't know. There are things in politics now that should not even be political. The fact that human rights um i'm talking about like lgbt discrimination or historical revisionism the fact that those are even quote-unquote debates um we should question why we call that politics when in reality it's basic human decency right like why are we debating on whether or not that two women can get married you know
2: yeah just because i feel like just because a religion is like quote-unquote dominating like our population doesn't mean it has to control The legislation of the lives of the citizens in legal matters like even if a huge percentage of our population is Christian or Catholic that shouldn't dictate how we should live our life in terms of the law you know
1: yeah I feel that and I think that that's where separation of church and state comes in because in the Philippines we always say the church and the state are separated, but sometimes there's just because we're a Christian country and I blame the Spaniards for this. But I mean, there's nothing bad about having a faith because I myself is religious. I, I will call myself religious, but I don't think that that should um, affect how we view human rights, especially if it's not affecting us negatively in any way. And that comes in action when we're talking about the soggy equality bill. Um, I remember it to have, it, it, it was like trending on Twitter and the news was reporting it because I think the main argument of our, I mean, the main argument that I heard last year is do you want um, a guy pretending to be gay to just come in a woman's bathroom? And like in my brain, that does not make sense then why not make gender-neutral bathrooms a thing then? If we worry about that, doesn't that put our security system or, I don't know, like, I can't put it into words, but that's a sentiment on how
0: corrupted people
1: are in our country, if you're worrying
0: about that. I think that reflects more on our society now than the actual bill itself. Because the fact that we are nitpicking, not we, but, you know, the, the fact that some people are nitpicking specific parts or specific aspects of their like of their opinion on the bill and making that their whole stance i don't know it doesn't sit well with me like who cares about gender neutral bathrooms we have bigger problems in the world like literally people not being able to exercise their human right of being married you know or not being able to walk out and feel safe those are bigger problems than whether or not you think a trans man or a trans woman is able to go into their experience gendered bathrooms speaking of trans women and men, Filipino culture when it comes to like homophobia and transphobia it really does bother me because some people don't even bother to learn the difference between gender and sexuality
2: yes exactly people here i'm not again i'm not generalizing but it is more you know more not really a trend but it's more common that when you're gay when you're a gay man people automatically think that you're feminine or you act girly or whatever when in reality that's not the only truth like yes there are femme gay men but there are also other queer men or other queer individuals who present themselves differently and the way they present themselves physically the way they express their gender identity doesn't doesn't match or like doesn't necessarily dictate
0: their sexuality, you know? A hundred percent. I genuinely hate the stereotype that feminine men are, are either seen as, like, women or seen as gay immediately. I don't know. It seems like not only is it slightly homophobic, it's also, I don't know, I feel like it has something to do with our toxic masculinity culture, especially in the Philippines. Like, why won't you let men <laughs> just do quote-unquote feminine things um, without questioning their gender or sexuality? right i guess that's why a lot of men now fear doing quote-unquote feminine things because they think it takes away from their masculinity you know
2: true when in fact you know i'm not saying anyone's doing this but you know there is you know there's this kind of thing where some straight cis men who you know do feminine things only do it for clout only do it for validation of other people and not uh i'm not sure if i <laughs> i'm not sure but let's just stay safe okay but there are some people who do it just for clout um and not because they're fighting for something you know it's really annoying because the people who do express themselves like that still get this discriminated and still get harassed for doing things that you know, something that cis straight men do and suddenly they're revolutionizing stuff, which is really annoying.
1: Remember the Serena music video that came out? I don't know when it, in the 2000s, when we were younger, and then everyone was singing, Ako ay isang Serena! For me, that was impactful in a sense that there's this Filipino culture where if the child is uh, showing if a boy is perceived or is doing feminine things, the father would ilulub sa drum yung bata para maging straight. And I think that's why we need the soggy bill. Like, like that's abusive, but in our culture, that's normalized because apparently that's our way of correcting them.
2: Yeah, and that's like something that a lot of people say, you know, I'm just gonna make this an example. Videos on Facebook with um little kids, little boys dancing, you know, K-pop dances, K-pop girl group dances, and People were like, oh, this, oh, um, they dance or they move so feminine. They must be gay. Lagut, lagut sa tatay. Ganon. And it's like, um, first of all, um, no matter what their identity is, the tatay, the father, has no right to abuse that child. That is child abuse. And second, why why do they automatically think that, that the kid is gay? Just because they're dancing to K-pop dances you
0: know yeah honestly i think it says a lot about how this is a side note but since we brought up abuse abuse is like really normalized in the philippines has anyone else noticed that like (laughs)
2: like (laughs) because palo is like they 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 is it romanticized? Not romanticized, I don't know, but, but like, normalized. They say you have to, you have to get palo in order to learn. Like that is just oh, it's an Asian thing. It's a Filipino thing. You gotta do it. It's correct here. We're not in the U.S. It's not illegal or whatever. It's like you got to you gotta. Be
0: <laughs> I was never spanked as a kid because for context, <laughs> for context, my mom is a social worker and a nurse, so she literally is for the people like she always educated us growing up about why why spanking is not effective you know that's why whenever i was growing up and my friends would tell me that their parents spanked them or got mad at them and they're like genuinely terrified i did not understand it i was like why should you be scared in your own household that if you mess up you're automatically like gonna get physically hurt if you're an adult you wouldn't hit another adult so why would you hit a literal child it doesn't make sense to me a literal child
2: doing things a normal child does you know Because children are children for a reason. They're not automatically adults.
1: And I think that extends to adulthood where, or now that we're teenagers, because if you don't conform, like it's ingrained to our brain that if we don't conform to that social construct, then we're doing something wrong and then we deserve to be punished for it. Maybe that's why hate crimes are happening and that's why we need... A law about it this is house bill number 4982 or an act prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and or gender identity expression or sogi, and providing penalties therefore so the thing is sogi is meant to fulfill the right or set forth by the 1987 constitution um, we just discussed this in ucsb i think um human rights but it's basically um in accordance to the equal protection clause um it recognizes the LGBTQ as equals and ensures that their rights are protected in as much as everyone's is. So, to be honest, I don't get why people are still so pressed about it.
0: Like, it doesn't affect anyone negatively. Literally, yeah. I don't know why cishet people are so. Like, Literally. It, in fact, it benefits you. Cishet people, you have pronouns too, and you are straight. That is a sexuality. It means no one can discriminate. Like, I'm guaranteeing mm-hmm. no one has ever discriminated on you based, that, based on the fact that you're straight. But if ever someone did, they wouldn't be able to. Like, it just gives you extra protection in society. I don't know. Like, it's not even equity. It's yeah. literally equality.
2: It's literally human rights, period. It's a right of every human, regardless of whatever they want to do in life, regardless of their identity. It's literal rights and I I just don't get why people, especially straight cis people who don't even have a problem with discrimination, have a say on this and even say no and disagree with passing the law. Like, it just doesn't make sense. That's
1: where separation of church and state should be brought up again because we always talk about being good people and being obedient to the bible because that's the basis of being a good person
2: the way people say that being gay is a sin when in fact nowhere in the bible did god or anyone ever say that being gay is a sin in fact what is a sin and what is in if you believe in this what is in the 10 commandments is that you don't hurt people and that is a mortal sin being gay is not you know so i mean their justification of not passing these because of church or religion or whatever just doesn't make sense to me and you know it also comes with the thing that you know if we ask these people who say no about why they don't want soji bell or they don't want equality or whatever ask them and all that they're gonna say to you is because the bible says no religion says it's wrong ask them to say anything anything else that isn't related to religion and i'm pretty sure they're gonna have
0: a hard time justifying what they're standing for honestly this is why i really value my personal church group <laughs> not not to like plug my church group or anything but really love it because the people who are running it like they are really open as like it genuinely feels like a safe space for like lgbt kids like being able to just talk to um like literally like 11 to 13-year-olds like people who are younger than me and the fact that they can feel safe in their church group it's really comforting and healing because I've never gotten used to that environment right I've been told my whole life that being queer is a sin especially in church finally finding that safe space where I would least expect it is amazing yeah and it just comes to show how even those let's say just
2: minuscule things for other people you know even if it's like just minor things oh it's just friends oh it's just community it's just church for marginalized people for queer individuals, just having that kind of visibility, that kind of, you know, encouragement and acceptance means the absolute world to us. Like, the absolute world. I mean, some Filipinos do their best to be progressive
1: or to appear non-homophobic, but sometimes it just comes off as they're tolerating the community rather than actually accepting it um example people tolerating famous people like Vice Ganda but still talking bad things like after that because i don't know like it's a field day for these people for all the meritless it's a field day for them whenever there's an issue that includes someone from the community because they don't view them as people who need to be respected because of who they appear as or because of who
0: they are and what they look like honestly that's a really great point Griselle. I have been thinking about that this whole time. Like, members of the community are only accepted if they're famous or entertaining or convenient, you know? If they just existed and took up space, they would not be accepted. I mean, imagine watching RuPaul's Drag Race and then being homophobic. Pick a struggle. (laughs) People only tolerate when it's convenient for them. For example, I mean, I know you already brought up Vice Gunda, but I guess on the other side of the spectrum is the fetishization of women loving women relationships. You know, everyone are like in general, like same sex relationships, especially when it comes to um, uh, like manga, I guess, like Yaoi and Yuri. Yes, it's fetishizing and sexualizing, you know,
2: It's like a trend, you know, if I think for me, um, queer people, LGBT people aren't viewed or aren't visible or aren't given attention that they need unless they're famous, they're rich, they're influential,
0: they're conventionally attractive, or they're fetishized or sexualized. I find it so weird that people treat gay relationships or lesbian relationships as something that is fictional. They treat it like animals in a zoo, you know? Like something that is, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs>
2: Bruh, it's literally a relationship between two people. Yeah, yeah,
0: the fact that they don't even think gay people exist in real life, honestly, it speaks a lot on the lack of representation that we have, especially in Filipino media.
1: Yeah, um, especially in the BL series and like the GL series in the Philippines. It's so romanticized. It's not romanticized. Say like fetishized. Those series tweets, like the tweets about those series have homophobic comments sometimes. Because I read the comment section or like the threads on Twitter. And sometimes there's just homophobic undertones and it's just so hypocritical that filipinos are talking about it that way and like the representation is so minimal that even if the representation that they get is bad they just accept it because it's better than nothing
2: yeah 100 percent that is you hit the nail on the head here um with the representation being so scarce that literally even if it's not even good, even if it's not even realistic with the actual life of being a queer individual, you're just gonna get what it's given to you because that's all you're gonna get. And I mean, one like one um, representation is better than none. You know, that's like the kind of mindset that queer people have.
1: And it's pretty ironic how pre-colonization, we had like, icons that are queer and mm-hmm. they
2: are respected and now they're just like treated like a circus yeah we literally had like leaders as like cross-dressing you know portraying as women in our history Ba-ba-ba-ba-da. which is golden yes exactly Yeah, and um, I'm just gonna like add it here Um pero in, last year in AP that is one of um, our topics and I was fortunate enough to be able to report on that matter and the amount of discoveries that I made with our history, the Philippine, the Philippines' rich history with being queer and our history with gender bending and not conforming to the binary or the norms of being a woman or a man. Our culture before was so rich. I think that this is still relevant to talk
1: about, even though it's more feminism-centered than LGBTQ, but. Uh I remember in the Japanese colonization the comfort woman it was so romanticized it's hard to think about that women were viewed as um objects, and there weren't even there weren't even ba- public bathrooms for women back then because women are supposed to stay at home and I think that that bleeds now into that's why we're not as accepting of gender because we're so used to the double standard that women are supposed to stay at home and men are supposed to work and when in fact we're all people with e- with equal rights that is on the constitution I don't know why we're so surprised that women are taking over STEM or why women are having like managerial jobs because like we like I okay so I'm gonna talk about women in STEM for a minute even though again it's not LGBTQ related but I think um, in stem it's like it's full of white men and i think i think it, it shouldn't be such a big de- <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be such a big deal because it's a big the thing is i like it i like the movement but i don't like that it's that it that it exists because that means there's a problem and it's like why do like why do like okay generally speaking in when you're when you say to a guy that you, that likes you um i can't date you because i have a girlfriend and then this guy literally disrespects that and just says that you are hard
0: to get i've kind of personally experienced that because one time i had this guy hit on me and i was like no i have um a significant other that is not a man (laughs) i said i have a significant other i didn't say i have a girlfriend i didn't say i have a boyfriend i just said significant other but because this guy didn't think that it was another guy he didn't respect the fact that i wasn't with him you know because men respect other men but men don't respect women or non-binary people that's why when you're getting cackled and you say you have a boyfriend people respect that more than saying you have a girlfriend
2: whenever a man comes out a man quote unquote man comes out as, I don't know, non-binary or trans or whatever they want to identify with and sets preferred pronouns or sets a preferred name to go by. I just think that society um, get, makes it much easier for those individuals um, to like be able to be called whatever they prefer to be or to be accepted within the community versus, you know, with quote unquote women or with um, afab people as I'm female at birth it's much harder because oh no unless you're unless you're with a girl unless you have a girlfriend you're still a girl you're a straight girl you know what you know what I'm saying you know it's really hard yeah I agree with that
0: I think it has something
2: to do with the patriarchy you know yeah it's misogyny and I mean this is 100% reality but even within the LGBTQ, community
0: and misogyny is still a very very heavy thing i know this is a bit late to the conversation but going back to how the community is mostly tolerated rather than accepted like specifically for like lesbian relationships or women on women relationships i think that the over sexualization of those relationships really Mm. impacts a young person Who is just looking for representation right i don't know if someone else experiences too or if it's just me but when i was like a young child who is questioning my sexuality the only form of representation i had was literally citrus the anime and as an 11-year-old, I should not have been watching something that, first of all, was Yuri. Second of all, basically just fetishizes relationships like that. Honestly, like anime in general has a problem with fetishizing weird things that should not be fetishized. But the fact that, <laughs> but like the fact that that was my only like source of representation is very problematic. That's why I think we should, you know, we should promote and we should have more wholesome kids' cartoons representation.
2: And that's why, you know, media representation of the community is very important to be you know for the general public for all ages because let's face it it's not just adults who are watching or who want to watch there are queer kids literal children who might be confused might be you know questioning what's going on what what are the changes within them and those children need that representation as much as we need them you know as grown-ups or as adults and it's and it's such a shame how, you know, most of these shows or presentation is like eighteen plus or gate kept to adults when in fact it's the children, it's the kids who really need it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's why I like watching a lot of queer cartoons now. Like I love Shira. I love the Al House. Just a few recommendations. Um, oh yeah. Would recommend Steven Universe too. I guess. I guess that's why I'm kind of a bit obsessed with kids cartoons that have queer representation because I never had that growing up and it's kind of healing to your inner child to just like experience something that you never used to have.
2: Oh yeah, it's super healing being able to finally get what you needed. You know, it's not just a want, it's, it was a need at that time when you were a child and finally being able to get what you need, you know, during your late teens or whatever its really fulfilling speaking of inner child I think the way our parents
1: raised us and what society expects that we act like uh, going back to yung niluluglob sa drum na bata um, I think Filipino culture has so much impact on how Filipino people in the community perceive themselves as and perceive others as and how oh, yeah. the family accepts like yung iba dito pa ng pamilya tapos they they view them as makasalana they have to run away kasi they know that their family wouldn't be accepting yung definition natin ng love dito sa Pilipinas it's very abusive it's very toxic
2: it's very like if you love quote unquote love someone you're obligated to serve them to give them whatever they want you know it's kind of like you know with parents um especially yeah. as a queer kid you know you're not viewed as successful or like valid or whatever unless you are able to put food on the table you're able to send your siblings to school or whatever and it's really toxic because first of all your child doesn't have um, any obligations to do what your job is you know
1: also there's a double standard in the philippines like if you are a son it's okay if you flunk out of school as long as you produce another male child. Um, When you're a woman, you need to work hard about and then the cycle continues. Right. And then when you're a woman, you need to work so hard and you still don't have the independence to do whatever you want or if you have the quote-unquote independence to do whatever you want financially, society is still going to look at you They scrutinize you. Yeah, exactly. They scrutinize you and they, they don't care what you accomplished because you should accomplish that because you have so much to prove because you're not a man
2: it was your responsibility to make up for whatever whoever failed to do yeah. <laughs> to make that responsibility true
0: like i feel like beauty is the price that women pay in the world like you Chriselle, you can spend your entire life doing all these amazing things but if you're not attached to a man or if you're not attached to catering to male validation or the male gaze then all of a sudden you have no purpose especially with actors i don't know if anyone else noticed that but people always ask female actors like oh how do you balance your work and life yeah like who's your man who's your like how's your love life who's your boyfriend yeah but no one ever asks male actors how they balance their work and life and family and stuff like that because for a man it's okay for them to not care about their family you know yeah yeah no one cares about men being codependent on women no one cares about men not even being attached to a family but for women it is almost part of their identity
2: almost as if if you have a partner you need to put your focus 100 percent on that partner or else you're a horrible wife you're a horrible girlfriend or whatever I remember um,
1: being in acting workshops and uh, showbiz in the Philippines is very dependent on beauty and stuff like that like if you want to succeed here you need to be like pretty Privilege is very valuable here in the philippines and Mm -hmm. i remember being in the workshops and i felt very inadequate because please um my workshop friends people in um Star Magic. I'm just gonna name drop the association. But people there are very pretty and they're very good people. But it's really hard na makipagsabayan sa kanila when hindi binavalue yung talino mo. Like, I'm just seen as that really smart robotic STEM student who apparently yes. wants to act because she has the free time. But I was never seen as, like, pretty or like, sobrang invalidated nung mga efforts ko dahil hindi ako maganda. And dahil either wala ako boyfriend or wala male connection. I remember yung mga love teams di ba sila yung nagsasaksi dito sa Philippines? Because people want, because in the Philippines people romanticize those love teams, like, and we don't even recognize the abuse going on.
2: Yeah, and they don't even realize like the misogynistic undertones of you know those relationships. Because let's face it, um, a lot of the teleseries or the movies, um. Starring the most famous love teams here Have very misogynistic undertones You know, very toxic um, And people just glaze over that Because the leading man Is very guapo Very poggy It's very distracting And if they're poggy They automatically have the right To mistreat me as a woman Wow Right, and also Have you watched The Intern From like Anne, It's an
1: Anne Hathaway movie And it was also almost like It was an excuse to cheat On another Woman, because the man felt like his masculinity was decreased when his wife was earning so much more than him and is more successful in her career than him. I think that's also like, nalamangan kapanang tomboy or nalamang kapanang bakla or babae. And I, oh my god, bestie, competence is not synonymous to gender roles. And I think that's evident in our school too. Kapag pi Okay, let's talk about PDA in our school. <laughs> um, whenever, may magjowa oh yeah. na PDA sa school. Then sa may stairwell. Oh my um, gosh! Na, like, sabiin ooy or something like that. But like, if two women are flirting with each other, people are just gonna assume they're besties.
0: I think it's just the patriarchy affects everyone. Right. It affects not only women but women who are less privileged, women with disabilities, or women who are part of a community, or literally anyone who is not a straight cishet white man.
1: Okay, there's this thing, nander na kapag hindi ka gusto no guy gusto mo, it's like he's probably gay.
0: I guess that's why you never see like two like men in our school being openly Like, affectionate, you know? Because if it's two girls, people are just like, oh my god, best friends. If, like, two people of the opposite gender literally just interact, everyone's like, yee, oh my god, do you like each other? And it's also really
2: uncomfortable for those people who are getting shipped together whenever, you know, they just come in contact and everyone's like, yee, that is extremely uncomfortable.
1: Okay, speaking of media representation for the community, um, we asked Karen to pick the five icons that they think are very inspiring for them. So Karen, would you
2: like to expound on the top five people that you picked? Oh yes, I am very much excited to share with you guys. My top five queer icons that personally really inspire me and have really shaped how I have come to terms with my identity. And all of that. And also how they fought for gay rights. So so in this podcast,
1: we also want to celebrate icons that inspired us and has impacted the community as a whole. And we want to honor them and educate you as well. That's why you're listening to this podcast, hopefully. Anyways, before we started this podcast or before we recorded, we asked Karen to pick um, their
2: top five icons to discuss today. And
1: I don't know, take it away, Karen.
2: So yeah, I am here and I'm very excited to discuss with you guys my top 5 queer icons and honestly, they're not just icons because they want to be called that. They are icons because they have helped shape and made me come to terms with my identity as a non-binary individual, as a queer person, and yeah, they're just a really big inspiration for me. So without further ado, let's start with the first one, which is Marsha P. Johnson. So Marsha P. Johnson was an African-American queer drag artist, someone who dresses extravagantly and performs as a woman, whose activism in the 1960s and 70s had a huge impact on the LGBTQ plus community. She was a black and trans rights activist that really sparked up the uprisings, fighting for these marginalized individuals' voices to be heard in a time when even discussions about LGBTQ was deemed immoral and black folks are being oppressed due to systematic racism. Marsha said that the P in Marsha P. Johnson stood for pay it no mind. A phrase that they used, you know, when people commented negatively on their appearances or life choices. They really said that unless they're paying your bills, pay them no mind. And amidst all discussions about how Marshall really identified as a transgender woman, a gay man, or anything else, according to Susan Stryker, a professor of Human Gender and Sexuality Studies at the University of Arizona, Johnson's gender expression could perhaps most accurately be called as gender non-conforming. Johnson never really self-identified with the term transgender, but the term was also not in broad use when Johnson was still alive. But regardless, her fight for trans rights will always serve as one of the most powerful and remarkable of all time. But of course, a queen like her also needs a bestie to help fight for her rights. And next up is Sylvia Rivera. So meet Sylvia Rivera, an American gay liberation and transgender rights activist who was also noted a community worker in New York. Rivera, who identified also as a drag queen, participated in demonstrations with the Gay Liberal Front. Sylvia's older friend, Marsha P. Johnson, had been Rivera's protector and friend since Rivera arrived in the city and the two were close friends from 1961 through 1973. In the 1970s, Rivera and Johnson co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries or STAR, a group dedicated to helping homeless young queens, drag queens, gay youth, and trans women to fight for their Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act in New York. So this act, the Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act or SONDA, prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation in employment, housing, public accommodations, education, credit, and all those that exercise civil rights. Of course together, they embarked on great things with Sylvia. Marsha was able to house the homeless individuals and pay for their rent and with their monies that they made as themselves as sex workers. That is a testament itself on how sex workers still demand protection of its workers and the industry. While the star house was not focused on performance-based drag, Marsha was still the drug mother in the long-standing tradition of chosen family in the Black and Latino LGBT community. With these folks having little to no blood relatives left to lean on, all they really had were each other and they were family. They worked to provide food, clothing, emotional support, and a sense of family for the young drag queens, trans women, and gender nonconformists, and other gay streets living in the streets of New York. But all these light and joy also meant that they needed riots to make their voice heard. Marsha was one of the first people to let in drag and queer performers in Stonewall Inn, a gay club in New York City. The Stonewall Riots, also known as Stonewall Uprising or the Stonewall Rebellion, were a series of spontaneous demonstrations by the members of the gay community in response to police raid that began the early morning and hours of June 28, 1969. Johnson had been named along with other queer activists Zazunova Nova, and Jackie Harmona by a number of Stonewall Riot veterans interviewed by David Carter as being the three individuals known to have been the vanguard of the pushback against police uprising. Despite the tongue-in-cheek notes of Marsha P. Johnson throwing the first brick that started the Stonewall riots, she wasn't actually the first one who started it, but still she became part of the vanguard that rebelled against police force who were there and what happened at the Stonewalls riots really, we'll never really know. But this statement of starting the revolution for gay rights will always be the clearest message with their stories. So you guys, ever heard of the line, mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head, pulled the trigger now he's dead, well, what if I told you that? how it reflects living a new life, and putting the past behind accepting your real identity and sexuality. Up next, we have Freddie Mercury. He was a British singer, songwriter, record producer, and lead vocalist of the rock band drumroll please, da 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 Queen! <laughs> I'm sure most of you, if not all of you guys already know about Queen and Freddie Mercury, mostly from Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that song in that movie was released I think in 2018 right when Queen's popularity was brought to light again for the younger generations. While some commentators claim that Freddie Mercury hid his sexual orientation from the public, others claim that he was openly gay. Though Freddie Mercury is remembered for his music, than anything else, his health status did in fact become public just days before he died of complication of AIDS-related pneumonia on November 24th of 1991. The HIV-AIDS crisis really took a toll during the 1980s and Freddie's passing was one of the biggest news that surrounded this pandemic. Freddie Mercury's queer identity and performance sparked a revolution for future generations to follow. He stood as an icon for young LGBTQ folks trying to survive in a homophobic and transphobic society. He proved that it is possible to be successful and loved as a queer person with AIDS. To commemorate his legacy and to support the funding of AIDS organizations, the Mercury Phoenix Trust was founded in 1991. In the last 21 years, the trust has given away over $15 million in his name and has founded over 700 projects. I know y'all love their music, not only for the melody and the sound itself, but especially on how raw and meaningful the messages is and how much inspiration really we can capture from it. In the movie, I know, a lot of critics were saying that the depiction of a queer relationship, especially Freddie Mercury's relationship with his queer partner was very toxic and it almost made it look like Freddie Mercury was confused or like had inner battles and turmoils with sexuality when in reality people claim that he was very in tune with it and I guess that also translates to how you know other people really view queer or gay relationships as something over complicated when in reality if you're in tune with your sexuality it's not really something even confusing at all i remember watching bohemian rhapsody
1: because it's the life of freddie mercury right i i mean i read an article and i read a movie movie reviews about it um prior to this episode and it was said that there was a toxic depiction of queerness in that movie so could you expound about that especially you we were talking about media representation right?
2: yes um a lot of it also comes from gender stereotypes and how typically those people in that same sex relationship that are deemed as like the mean one or the bad one is the one who are typically viewed as the one playing the role of a man. So, in return, that's like having the power if it's a man having the power over a relationship that's considered normal, but within a same sex relationship, suddenly having power or being the top means that you're automatically taking advantage of the other person and that's just not right. Yeah, and it also plays into the um, stereotype
1: of the predatory gay villain. I remember someone saying that if you get into a same-sex relationship, um, one partner will always be manipulative. Like Gay people are seen as manipulative and is portrayed as manipulative in media when in, in reality that's not the case that's just how we we um, demonize these characters or we paint them in a really bad light because we Like, it's almost to discourage people from coming out. It refuses to depict gay relationships
2: as meaningful and deeply emotional and sympathetic. And as something that is the same with any other relationship. There's nothing different. It's just two people who are connected to each other. Because that knight
1: in shining armor um, role or stereotype was taken away. Um, They replace it with manipulative gay people. And also, they sometimes portray... A gay men as very dramatic or very uh i don't know very opportunistic emotionally repressed and i just don't get that reality tv shows are dramatic but when it comes to fiction where it's supposed to like serve as a representation are you just are you saying that gay like everyone is like that like everyone who identifies with that uh, label is like that because i don't think that sends the right message really it doesn't so i think moving forward um, especially we're making student films about it um, because right now online classes deva right? so marami student films i think we should be more respectful with the characters that we make or with how we depict people and basically bottom line just be respectful and do your research
2: and first and foremost, make it um, realistic. Um, life isn't overly dramatic. I mean, sure, there are moments, but life isn't a show. It's not written, you know, it's not written to be over dramatic. And life can be simple at times. And so does relationships. May it be, you know, heterosexual relationship, homosexual relationships. They're all the same. They're all life. So make it as realistic as you can.
1: Maybe if you're writing, just be mindful and, yes. I don't know, exactly. Make it relatable and respectful to people. Yeah, ref- respectful. Yes.
2: Okay, next icon. So the next icon we have, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you've watched the meeting the avance and you've seen me talk there, try to talk there, I said... There could be a hundred people in the room and 99 don't believe in you. But trust me, this next one will. And finally, this next one really does because she is the main person who said this quote, Meet Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanotta or as we know her as Lady Gaga. She is an American singer, songwriter, and actress and is known for her image reinventions and musical versatility. Her discography speaks for itself on just how iconic and impactful her career is. Albums like The Fame discusses the lust for stardom while the follow-up The Fame Monster expresses fame's dark side through monster metaphors. Born This Way has lyrics in various languages and features themes common to Gaga's controversial songwriting such as sex, love, religion, money, drugs, identity liberation sexuality freedom and individualism while the themes of art pop revolve around gaga's personal views of fame love sex feminism self-empowerment overcoming addiction and reactions to media scrutiny but did you know that in 2009 in an interview with barbara walters lady gaga came out as bisexual explaining that her bop hit poker face was about another woman you heard it right besties the legend herself lady gaga is also part of the lgbt community as bisexual oh and yes just a quick reminder someone who identifies as bisexual no matter who they date or get in relationships with are still valid and bisexual yes we do not tolerate by erasure here but going back okay she supports LGBT rights worldwide. She attributes much of her early success as a mainstream artist to her gay fans and is really considered a modern-day icon. Early in her career, she had difficulty getting radio airplay and stated that the turning point for her was the gay community. Adding to that, Gaga spoke at the 2009 National Equality March in support of the LGBT movement. Since founding the Born This Way Foundation in 2011, Mother Monster and her actual mother cynthia germanotta have helped thousands of lgbtq children and teens i remember um quoting it um during my meeting the avance the very last portion and i remember one person clocking my reference and if you're listening to this right now shout out to you because you clocked a legend Nigel <laughs> it was nigel who clocked my reference my lady gaga reference but you know what's funny though i'm only re- realizing this now I forgot to mention how Lady Gaga was actually a guest judge in RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9. Yeah, I, I know, we're moving on to the next one now, okay? But isn't it just so iconic how our next icon was the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season nine? literally the winner of that same season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, it is the one and only my queen, Sasha Velour. She's an American drag queen, artist, actor, and stage and television producer. Known for her signature unibrow and bald look, she defies the standards of beauty while also paying tribute to her late mother who passed away from cancer. Sasha identifies as non-binary and uses the pronouns she, they. If y'all follow me on my socials, you'd know by now how much I love Sasha. Literally, she's my Twitter header if anyone's curious. Before Drag Race, Sasha had already been active in representing the community, especially through graphic design and illustration. She created a comic entitled Stonewall, which attempted to tell the story of the Stonewall Riots yes, the one that we talked about earlier using real and fictional characters in comic form, which was described as a smart, beautiful, and artful take on a significant and difficult historical event by Hilo Comics. Sasha also began producing a monthly drag show, Nightgowns, in 2015 at Bizarre Bushwick a Club in Brooklyn, New York. Nightgowns features performances by all kinds of drag artists, which is considered a more experimental performance, not really bothering to conform to the norms and standards of performance art or whatever is conventionally performed during drag shows. They pride in showcasing the most unique yet authentic characters, the complete opposite of traditional or one-note drag performances. And no, you do not have to go to New York City to see the show. You can actually go on her website at sashavlor.com or even her YouTube channel and search up Nightgowns Forever and Nightgowns the Musical and witness the shows yourself completely free. Trust me, I have streamed those shows more than they recommended about. That is a fact and I love them so much. Just like I mentioned before, she won the ninth season of RuPaul's Drag Race in 2017 where she won after a lip-syncing to Whitney Houston so emotional that gave to literally one of the most iconic reveals ever. The rose petals under the wig reveal and you have probably already seen that GIF gif or whatever somewhere on Twitter. After her win, Sasha founded the House of Valor, their own production company that they use to produce stage, film work, and merchandise, which is so, also so-called disrupting the business of drag. For finally, it allows the drag artists themselves to take full control on their work and not allow capitalist production companies to leech off of them and make money from their own art. Since then, she's also been touring worldwide with her one-woman drag show called Smoke and Mirrors, which features the different layers of drag and how it connects to her life and the community around her, in the form of lip-syncing and amazing digital productions, which she's very famous for.
0: Really? That's so cool. Honestly, I love how she can make a statement um, through the art of drag and say that it's more than just art. It's more than just an expression of the self. It can also be political. It can change lives it can impact movements and i think that's really powerful isn't it if you're interested
2: you can check out her works at sasha velour on instagram i can literally go on days talking about her but i guess the best way to wrap this all up is by coding the queen herself for the very last time always remember that gender is a construct tear it apart and i thank you so much
0: no one is perfect of course we're always going to have flaws we're always going to be learning about a new issue about a new stance and sometimes we're going to be wrong or slightly ignorant but you know that's okay like ignorance isn't inherently a bad thing you know ignorance just means that you lack the knowledge on something and as long as you're willing to learn and accept that um you were wrong for a second there then that is that's fine character development you know
2: of course you know and there will be a many many missteps along the way so make sure you're wearing cute shoes oh my gosh now i get why like the people who do podcasts take like hours i was like why did they talk for hours now i get it it literally
0: (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure this has gone on for an hour (laughs) okay um i think that is the perfect way to end this thank you so much to everyone who is stuck around especially for this what i'm guessing is going to be like an hour and a half long um, maybe two hours. Can't we cut this in, like, two parts or something?
2: <laughs> I don't know. So, like, if you're listening to this while cramming, shout out to you. You're the real one. This is Aya Puhin signing off. And this
1: was Chrysanne Ignatia signing off.
2: And this is Karen Santana signing off.
1: Wee! And you were listening to the, the Pateen Pateen podcast. Podcast. Yay! Thank
2: you. <laughs> See you in the next episode. Bye! Yunayon, guys. na Yuna